Shalom, and welcome to Israel Policy Pod. I'm your host, Evan Gottesman. And I'm Eli Koaz, and I was once a host of... Don't sound too resentful, Eli. I know it's been a while since you've you've been on the podcast, but we're glad to have you back and in equal standing. Well, was it the one month? It was a one month suspension that, that was... Yeah, I received a one month suspension from hosting the podcast because of... Uh, my long-standing support for yes, Abigail. Eli's uh, attachment to the uh, Israeli centrist leader du jour has led some to question the quality of his analysis, and I'm sure we're going to get into that with uh, Ron Huldai and even the possibility of Gadi Eisenkot. Of course, we're just kidding. You mean the next prime minister of Israel, uh, mayor of Tel Aviv, mayor of Tel Aviv, Ron Huldai? No, but on a serious note, Evan, it's very Nice to be back on with you. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing well. And you? Well, and I want to thank you for just keeping the podcast uh, at such a high caliber while I was uh, not uh, hosting and while I was not uh, involved. So I'd like to thank you and just great job. I'm sure all our listeners in Nauru are, are, are very, very happy with, uh, with what's been done. But I, I've gotten a lot of messages uh, both from Nauru and from around the world about how how I was missed. So I'm happy to be back. Happy to have you, Eli. And uh, we hope all of our listeners are doing well wherever you are in the world, whether it's Nauru or Netanya or somewhere in between. So from Netanya to Nauru, that's yeah. I think that could be a that could be a podcast yeah. title, but only when Nauru makes its next diplomatic move regarding Israel and uh, its capital, Jerusalem. Until then, there are a lot of other things that we could be talking about. And I think what's really been grabbing headlines in Israel is this spiraling COVID crisis. Of course, Israel, like every other country in the world, is confronting the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, but Israel is having an especially difficult time uh, handling it. And it is now the country that has the highest rate of new infections per capita in the entire world, which is kind of an ignominious distinction to have. But that is the case now in Israel. And uh, it's having a political impact as well. You have these protests against Prime Minister Netanyahu continuing despite uh, new and stricter regulations. And of course, your favorite topic, Eli, um, some polls showing a potential shakeup in Israeli politics. We have some polls, definitely. I'm not sure Israel is still the highest per capita, but they definitely were for a while. Um, which is what put the country in pretty much a full-on lockdown. Um, but let's start with a more, uh, I mean, I don't want to call it fun, but let's start Let's start with the polls. You know I enjoy the polls, so let's start with the polls. Now, we've seen an interesting trend lately. Um, it's kind of, it's slowly increased ever since uh, this coalition a very fragile coalition, which we'll get into later, but since the coalition was formed and since Benny Gantz decided to break up uh, Blue and White and or take control of Blue and White and Yair Lapid uh, leaving Blue and White uh, with Yeshatid and with Bogi Alon and tell him, ever since uh, the unity government was formed, uh, we've seen a horrible handling of the coronavirus uh, crisis 
And what we've seen is the rise of Naftali Bennett. Now, you'll remember that Naftali Bennett was below the electoral threshold, I believe it was three elections ago. But now he, we've seen polls where he's neck and neck with Netanyahu. This is something that is really astonishing. Um, again, these are just polls, but it's a definite uh, trend uh, that's been happening. And Bennett's rise in popularity, um, there are a number of reasons. Probably the most important one is connected with the uh, coronavirus. And Bennett's short stint as defense minister uh, earlier this year, um, which made him very popular among uh, a lot of Israelis. He was very, um, and even after uh, his time as defense minister, he was still kind of, he had his own coronavirus task force. He even released a book about how to defeat a pandemic that was released a few months ago. That was the title of the book, How to Defeat the Pandemic. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, but yeah, he, he's, uh, taken, uh, to, to social media. He has press conferences that are, uh, COVID related. And, uh, he's really owned this issue, uh, kind of from the outside. And it's really helped. We usually talk about Naftali Bennett when it comes to annexation and controversial policies and plans that he has for the West Bank. But this is kind of a pivot from Bennett. He saw an opportunity and he's really jumped on it. Um, but we'll have to see whether uh, and when this will be tested, which will be elections, which could be sooner rather than later. Will Bennett be able to keep uh, keep up this, uh, this gain he's seen in the polls? Or will what has previously happened where he's polled well, but then Bennett, uh, but then, sorry, then Netanyahu has kind of campaigned, done his Gavald campaigns, and really, uh, shrunk Bennett and his parties to, uh, single digits in terms of seats. So we'll need to, to see, um, but it definitely surprising. It is an interesting tack for Bennett to take because, as you mentioned, when we think of Naftali Bennett, we think of annexation or we think of his Yamina party's uh, anti-judicial stance trying to take power away from the courts. Um, and, and that's something that he has been a big advocate for along with Ayala Chaked. And they've moved away, not necessarily abandoning these positions. In fact, certainly not abandoning those positions, but they've moved away from making those the centerpiece of their campaign uh, because these are things that may be more polarizing, even though the Israeli public writ large tilts to the right. And they're talking in terms that can be relatable to everyone. So it is understandable um, to see how they've risen in the polls. I mean, uh, I remember around Rosh Hashanah, uh, uh, Bennett was tweeting things like, you know, I know you all want to see your families. I understand, uh, the, the, the urge, but, uh, it's simply not safe. And, and something like that, it's like a responsible message. Um, there, there's empathy in it. It's, it's like the basic building blocks of, uh, just, uh, a compelling and, uh, compassionate. It's not even necessarily substantive political messaging. And you contrast that uh, with Netanyahu, who um, has um, not been quite taking the same approach in his own messaging, and least of all in his policies. 
Um, and it sets up quite a contrast for Israeli voters. I mean, I would say on the annexation question, though, the fact that Israeli voters are willing to uh, support or seem willing to support based on the polls, and as you said, nothing is definitive, but the fact that Israeli voters are willing to support someone like Naftali Bennett, not because of his support for annexation, but despite it, uh, is symbolic of... um, some deal of apathy toward the Palestinian question and maybe even indicates that this Israeli opposition to annexation that we've talked about is sort of theoretical. But the issue at front of mind for everyone in Israel, as it is in the rest of the world, is coronavirus right now. So with Bennett taking the approach that he is, um, it's easy to understand why he's gotten this boost. And now you have in these polls, you mentioned before, there's the Channel 12 poll. That's the one that everyone is talking about. Um, it had Likud at 26 seats and um, it had Bennett at 23. And that's a big fall from where Likud is now with, I believe, 34 seats. But before we move on, a quick word from our sponsor, Israel Policy Forum. Hi, I'm Dahlia Jude, the Strategic Initiatives Associate of IPF Hatid, Israel Policy Forum's Young Professionals Network. IPF Hatid has chapters across North America and works to advance support for a viable two-state outcome to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict among the next generation of foreign policy professionals and American Jewish leaders. To learn more about how to get involved and keep up with our upcoming virtual events, visit www.israelpolicyforum.org slash Something else to look at is that uh, Bennett is super popular across Israeli society, from even from in left among left-wing Israelis, um, with his uh, response and his kind of the plans that he's laid out uh, for responding to coronavirus, um, and that's really because of how badly COVID nineteen has hit Israel, especially right now. We can see that. Uh, Bennett's uh, popularity has really soared. If we look back uh, to May, for example, which was right when that coalition uh, came to be with Benny Gantz and Netanyahu uh, agreeing to their uh, rotation agreement, the Likud was at 41 seats and Bennett was at seven. So it just shows across those months how Bennett has risen really to unprecedented heights in the polls. He's never pulled uh, this well before. Um, he has had, uh, in the 2015 elections, he polled near 20 seats, but uh, ended up with uh, much less. Um, but this is definitely something to keep an eye on. I would wonder what would happen if Israel is able to get uh, control of uh, the, the virus and if they're able to reopen things in a more careful way, not like they did in the first wave when Netanyahu and uh, and the unity government kind of ignored a lot of the advice from the health professionals and just opened uh, Israel completely after being in a lockdown. If it's done 
properly this time. Be interesting to see um, how uh, Bennett will, if he'll maintain uh, where he is right now, or will he kind of sink back down depending on if Israel's economy gets back uh, in business and if more, I mean, you have so many unemployed Israelis and I mean, we've seen in in these polls, the poll that you mentioned, where you have Netanyahu at 26 and Bennett at 23, that a lot of Bennett support isn't even coming from the right. It's coming from Kaholavan voters. And Kaholavan, obviously, they're polling now in, in single single digits, not a great sign for Benny Gantz. Um, and... Um, I mean, he it, split his really he split his he see. split his party in half. So first of all, he's coming into this with less to work with. Uh, so it makes he is, but he also he split his party in half. But the other half has double the amount of seats uh, in the polls, and that's even with Yeshatid are also uh, losing a seat or two to uh, Yamina, at least in uh, the, this poll from Channel Twelve. So really interesting. Interesting to see, and uh, it also this also changes the configuration of, of the blocks, right? Netanyahu was wasn't able to get his uh, above uh, sixty, and he tried um, <laughs> he, he tried three times, and now it looks like because of how well Bennett's doing, that uh, it won't be a problem in the next election. But the question is, is Bennett even a sure thing? Now to join up with uh, Netanyahu in a coalition, I, I'm not so sure. But again, uh, that's also something that's uh, up for debate. In a previous election, you know, this could be something that might have been um, not a bad thing for the right wing bloc. I mean, for Netanyahu personally, it might have been a bad thing. He sees. Bennett as a rival, and Bennett and Shaked have not a great personal relationship with Benjamin Netanyahu and not with Sarah Netanyahu either. Um, but now, yeah, I could see him trying to make some sort of arrangement with uh, Yeshatid, with Kachol Avan, with Yisrael Beitenu, um, although he doesn't have a great relationship with Avigdor Lieberman either. The problem is also just like the glue that holds that kind of a block together. Um, I mean, you have the joint list, which is still a pretty sizable block in the opposition, and they recommended Kahol Lavan twice only to get burned uh, by it. I, I certainly don't see them recommending Naftali Bennett as prime minister or a block that is supported by him uh, for ideological reasons and for more practical political reasons, given their experience with Kahol Lavan. So there are a lot of things that don't add up so neatly here right away off the bat, but, um, you know, Bennett is certainly not a sure bet for Netanyahu. And even if he does end up joining Netanyahu's government after increasing his presence in the Knesset to some extent, whether it's a full 23 seats or he just uh, gets some kind of a boost from his party's current presence, which is rather negligible at this point, um, then he's certain to demand um, certain policy positions for the government to take certain ministerial portfolios. So something to watch. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, if you look at, uh, uh, just looking at this poll, I mean, if there's someone else to form a government who's not Netanyahu, it would be Naftali Bennett. So, 
Um, that's also something that I don't think is out of the question looking, just looking at this poll. Um, but yeah, I can't even, I can't overstate how poorly, uh, this government has handled, uh, COVID-19 and handled trying to contain the pandemic. And I think that is, has played a huge role in, in Bennett's rise. Um, and the Israeli public are extremely disappointed. I mean, 65% of Israelis consider Netanyahu's handling of this, uh, to be terrible. Um, and uh, the fact that, uh, a few months ago, he actually appointed a, um, Ronnie Gamzo, Professor Ronnie Gamzo to, um, to, to be the head of the coronavirus task force. And he has essentially ignored much of his, uh, advice, um, which has even, uh, caused him to <laughs> receive more criticism. And it's also coincided with Bennett's, uh, unprecedented rise. So, uh, and that, and that brings us into the latest round of restrictions, which, uh, were initially framed as a three week policy, a three-week lockdown, but they keep getting extended, and it seems to be this kind of inde- um, indefinite state of lockdown for Israel. Um, and part of the motivation there, and of course there is a public health imperative um, in trying to curb the spread of coronavirus, and as we've discussed previously in this episode and in past episodes, and as you've probably heard, Israel opened up too quickly back in in May. Um, so there is certainly a public health imperative there. And these restrictions were imposed around the high holidays when people would, you know, traditionally be going to see family or going into a synagogue or some other manner of movement where uh, they would be interacting with a lot of people outside of their household. So, you know, there there is that interest there. But there's also you can't ignore the fact that there were these huge protests, um, not only small protests around the country, but really big protests outside of the prime minister's residence in Jerusalem on Balfour Street. Uh, back in August, they peaked at 20,000 people outside of his residence. Um, and yeah, and, and so, there, so there's like an interest in, in trying to keep the numbers down there. Um, it's sort of backfired in that um, the numbers on Balfour Street aren't quite where they were in the summer, but now you have a lot more smaller protests. And there had been smaller protests at, uh, you know, intersections and on streets across the country, across Israel um, previously, but uh, this has certainly diverted people toward those kinds of protests. So there's a greater geographic spread, perhaps, even though you don't have one single uh, major demonstration. Yeah, you know, that's exactly right. And also, this goes back to uh, Netanyahu really not listening to his the, the, the coronavirus task force manager Gamzo, because we see looking at the data in Israel that the vast majority of, uh, I mean, the statistic today was 50% of the new cases are coming from ultra-Orthodox communities in Israel, obviously representing a pretty small uh, percentage of the population. Um, and so instead of focusing 
on controlling the virus in those cities. Netanyahu has really used it as a tool to curb uh, these protests as well. So kind of disguising and obviously not saying that it's good to have gatherings of thousands and thousands of people. Um, but, but we've seen uh, where uh, the spread of the virus is in Israel and that among uh, that, that even in these r- rallies, it's relatively low. And, uh, but because of Netanyahu's current coalition and it's comprised of ultra Orthodox parties and at the same time, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't look good for Netanyahu and it's not good for his coalition. So even though it may be the best way to limit the spread of the virus, it's not the best way to limit protests. So I think Netanyahu is kind of trying to maybe kill two birds with one stone, but one of them is for his personal protection and the other is for the, obviously the public, uh, well-being of the state of Israel and the, the and the public health. So and and we should not, remind our listeners that Netanyahu best. still has these three uh, corruption trials hanging over his head. This is still the I've completely forgot. I completely forgot. <laughs> you know, you you would you would be for, <laughs> yeah, you would be exactly. forgiven for forgetting because of everything else that's going on. But this is still the thing hanging over his head, and and why he is so desperate to hold on to his office. I mean, no one wants to lose an election or see their political rival win, but he has almost this personal existential interest. And, um, you know, there, there had been talk of moving back the trial, but the, the evidentiary phase of his trial was set to begin in January. And, and that's not that far away. Um, and, you know, right now, he probably doesn't want to go right into elections because he is probably at the uh, nadir of his standing in the Israeli public opinion. But uh, he's going to have to probably hold an election at some point or trigger election somehow uh, before next fall because he has this coalition uh, because he has this coalition agreement with Benny Gantz that envisions this rotation where after 18 months, uh, Gantz would become prime minister and Netanyahu would take on this newly created position of alternate prime minister that Gantz currently holds. Um, and of course, Netanyahu doesn't want Gantz to take on the premiership. And it was widely understood that Gantz was kind of fooled into this arrangement that it's not actually going to be fulfilled. So if Netanyahu wants to not see it fulfilled, then there's going to have to be elections. So um, that is the theme in all of this. And Netanyahu is, is trying to, you know, he, he has to find some way to recoup public opinion. Um, he, I don't think he needs to be widely loved uh, by the Israeli public. I think there just doesn't needs to be uh, no politically viable alternative um, for him for him to win. Yeah, that's right. And we've seen um, the, the issue of the, the annual budget and um, about approving a one-year budget or a multi-year budget, uh, which would ensure, again, like that's the easiest way to cause snap elections in Israel is for the budget not to be approved. And uh, there's been a disagreement between Kahol Avan and the Likud, the Likud opting for what they, they want, a one-year budget, because that would uh, ensure 
that they could would have an opportunity to go to snap elections before um, the rotation agreement would commence and Gantz would be prime minister, whereas Kaholvan want a two-year uh, budget because that would mean that likely uh, the Likud would have to transfer the prime ministership over uh, to uh, Benny Gantz. And obviously, that's what Gantz wants, and that's what Netanyahu does not. So I would say that elections are likely, even with the state of the polls, not looking particularly promising uh, for Netanyahu. Now, another thing about this government is that, I mean, we've mentioned uh, this a few times, that this government has a ton of ministers. I mean, we're talking about double chai here, 36 36 ministers. And I think we should uh, give two mentions this week to two ministers who uh, uh, garnered some attention uh, uh, for, for different reasons. Um, maybe we should start with uh, Gila Gamliel. Yes, so Gila Gamliel is the environmental protection minister in the current Israeli government. She's a member of Prime Minister. We should say she still is. Still is. She's, I don't know how much Right. Uh, well, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that. Let's not, let's not spoil the ending of this story, or at least where we are yet. So she, she is the environmental protection minister, at least as of this recording. She's a member of Prime Minister Netanyahu's Likud party, um, and she was recently diagnosed with coronavirus. Um, where did she catch coronavirus? We don't know for sure, but we can wager, I think, a fairly safe guess. Um, over Yom Kippur, she violated the lockdown restrictions um, and went to uh, services 100 miles away from her home, which is 166, a little more than 166 times uh, the length from your home that you are allowed to travel under the current restrictions of about a kilometer distance from your home in Israel. So yeah, to, to, to Tiberias, she went to visit um, family friends in Tiberias. Yeah. So, so, so she went to synagogue as well, which was uh, not, not, uh, uh, not, not allowed. And uh, she pretty much spread the virus uh, she was. She right. was also, and this is something that we we can relate to uh, very strongly here in the United States. But she was also present with other politicians and with other officials while she probably had coronavirus, um, but without disclosing that to them. Uh, she was in the Knesset, um, so you know you have there a super spreader in Israeli politics, much the same as we're we're considering that issue here in the United States with. Uh, certain prominent officials of our own. So, um, you know, Netanyahu, I, I, I've read that Netanyahu may be considering uh, dismissing her as a way to uh, use her almost as a sacrificial lamb or scapegoat uh, to to get some some approval from the public. 76, Evan, 76 percent of of Israelis want Netanyahu to to fire uh, Minister Gamliel. So. Then that's from that same Channel 12 poll. So overwhelming majority, yes. Pretty yeah. easy way for him to perhaps uh, get some degree of public approval back and, and demonstrate that he's in control. For sure. And so the other minister that we'll mention is the 
the former minister of tourism, Masaf Samir. Uh, Masaf Samir was a member of Gantz's uh, Kaholavan party. He was minister of tourism uh, during a time when there wasn't a whole lot of tourism uh, in Israel because of uh, COVID-19. And, um, I mean, he previously served as a deputy mayor of Tel Aviv, ran for uh, mayor against Ron Chudai, um, an up-and-coming Israeli uh, politician. And he decided to resign, um, citing uh, Netanyahu's, uh, the, the restrictions that Netanyahu uh, decided to move forward with uh, when it came to the protests around the country and trying to curb the protests. Um, it was enough for him, so he decided to resign. I, I also think that um, just his, he realized that he wasn't able to accomplish much as tourism minister, obviously, in a time when there's little to no tourism uh, in Israel. And uh, in Koholavan, there have been quite uh, a bit of, I mean, there are growing voices in Koholavan that this is kind of the way to go and that Asaf Samir was the first of what will be a series of resignations as the government kind of begins to fall apart, but we'll have to see what happens. Right, and, and like we've discussed, even though Kahol Lavan is part of the government right now, they could try to uh, work with uh, someone like Naftali Bennett to confront Netanyahu or challenge his leadership. And, and even uh, when things started to go south uh, a couple of months ago, even Yair Lapid said that uh, they would be open to reuniting with Kaholavan despite their uh, rather public breakup and disagreement about working with Netanyahu. So um, I don't think uh, we've seen the end of that story yet in terms of what Kaholavan will do. I mean, uh, there's certainly reason not to have a whole lot of faith in them for what they can muster in terms of political courage. Uh, but this uh, Asaf Zamir resignation, as you said, Eli, could be the first step. Uh, but, you know, things changing quickly. We're going to have to edit this podcast uh, rather quickly. So to all of our listeners, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Israel Policy Pod. Yalla bye. <laughs>